Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis 1 how the Spirit of God moved and hovered on the face of the water and how it was darkness that caused the Spirit of God to move and hover with concern. This message is available for free download on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast or at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future? Well, Tom Cantor's written a book on the life of Joseph. It's entitled Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the History and Future of the Jewish People Through the Life of Joseph. Now, this book from Tom Cantor called The Life of Joseph actually parallels the life of Joseph in the Scriptures and also parallels the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament as well as the Jewish people and their past, present, and future through the life of Joseph. And we see that through Scripture, and Tom Cantor shows this in this wonderful book, and we'd like you to obtain a copy of it. So please call us today, now or after the program, for a donation of $20 or more. We'll send you this book, 1-800-247-3051. So get the history and future of the Jewish people, the life of Joseph, 1-800-247-3051. That's 800 800- 247-3051, or you can go online to friendshipwithgod.org. We have a bookstore available online with all of Tom Cantor's resources and materials, 1-800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 1 how the Spirit of God moved or hovered on the face of the water and how darkness caused the Spirit of God to move and hover with concern. Father, we come to you this morning very needy. And we know that for every single one of our needs, God has. And so we come to you this morning needing to be fed by the Word of God. We need the Word that comes from the mouth of God. Speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, Genesis 1, and uh, we're making progress, I guarantee you. And uh, here we are. And uh, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved, it hovered upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. They were day one. Now... I'm going to show you, we're going to start off with review, and I'm going to show you three verses. And these three verses have the same word in it. They have the same Hebrew word, three different English words. And the game is, you're going to tell me which one of the words, the English words, is the same three words. Do you understand? I barely understand myself, but I hope you understand. First, is Genesis 1-2. That's where we are. Just keep in mind this review. God was with, no, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, that's the first verse, okay? Now, Deuteronomy 32-11. Deuteronomy 32-11. So turn to that. Deuteronomy 32-11. You got it? Okay. Good. Don, would you read that verse for us, please? 32, 11 and 12. 11 and 12. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, 
and there was no strange God with him. Okay, very good. Deuteronomy 32, 11 through 12. Now, the last verse is Jeremiah 23, 9. So you have five fingers on your hand, so you can keep three places very easily. Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, and like a man whom wine hath overcome, because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. Okay, very good, very good. Three verses, one Hebrew word, three English words. Okay, where is it in verse, in Genesis 1-2? Which word is it? Move, hover. Okay, very good. Only used three times in the Bible. This is the only three places where this word is used. Next place, Deuteronomy 32-11. Which one is it? Flattereth. Okay, very good. And Jeremiah 23-9. Yeah, shake. Very good. Shake. Very important. The three words here. That's the word here that, we've been, that we studied last time. It's the root word, rachaf. Everybody put your hand over your mouth and say, rachaf. Say that. Gesundheit. All right. So that's, tra- <laughs> that's translated move, which is the hover. It's used, as I mentioned, these three times. But these three pictures are a wonderful picture of this word rachaf. And you can see from Deuteronomy 32.11 that as the picture of the mother eagle, and she is all concerned over her young, and she sees her young, and she's got the Jewish mother syndrome. That's what she does. <laughs> and she She's all about, come on, get up. You need to fly. You need to not be afraid of heights. You can't be afraid of heights. You're an eagle. And so she's fussing over them and and spreads out those massive wings of hers and puts them up on her wings, and then she starts off on the fly. That's all to do, and it starts with the word hover, rakaf. Now, you know, it's so important, what's so important for us to do so very important, is, is uh, in fact, turn to this, let's see how important this is, because you don't have to keep those other places anymore. So now turn to Luke 11.1. 1. Luke 11.1, 1. because here's something very, very important for us to do as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what it says in Luke 11.1. 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So, got the picture? We do have two groups here. We have followers of John. We have followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's happening here? The followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are watching the Lord Jesus Christ pray. And they're saying within themselves, we don't know how to do that. We don't really know how to pray. And as a matter of fact, we've heard that the followers of John, they were taught how to pray. They know how to do that. So they come to him and say, now, Lord, you're our rabbi. It's not John the Baptist. So we're not going to go to him and ask him how to pray. So we're coming to you. And we're saying, look, you know, obviously you know how to pray. So teach us to pray. That's the context here. You know, we need to learn how to pray, too. It's very important to learn how to pray. And so we also can say to the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. We think we know how to pray. We know Christianese. We know the language. You know, we got the dictionary of cliches. We got it all down. We got the vocabulary down. We know what sparks God's interest when he hears these, when he hears Christianese. Then God says, oh, I understand that language. But that's not. (laughs) 
That's exactly what God has something to say about. God has something to say about Christianese. Look at Matthew 6, verse 7. See what he says about, about this Christianese, about, about using the vocabulary and thinking that uh, somehow God is going to understand that language. Okay, now, notice what it says in Matthew 6, 7. 6, 7. It says... When you pray, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the, as the goyim, the heathen, the nations do. For they think that they're going to be heard, that they shall be heard for their much speaking. See, vain repetitions, much speaking. He says, okay, so here he tells us how not to pray. How, don't do that. Don't pray like that. Don't think that if you just say these words, or or and, and, and somehow that's going to spark God to say, "Wow, I've been waiting so long to hear that." Finally, no, no, no. He says, "Don't do that." Have you ever finished praying and 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 you wondered, "I wonder if my prayer really got through. I wonder if it got through to God. I wonder if I really connected up with heaven just now on that prayer. How can we correct that problem? What can we do? Well, first. Pray intelligently. You know, don't turn this off. <laughs> don't, don't, don't turn this off when you pray. Pray with forethought. Pray with forethought. Oh, just come into it. Okay, now I'm going to pray. Okay, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. Myself. Okay, up, done. Okay, no, don't, don't do that. He says, because prayer is like being a lawyer. Being a lawyer. Anybody in here a lawyer? Oh, okay. Anybody ever paid a lot of money to a lawyer? Anyway, be specific in your requests. You know, our business is a business of patents, and, and, and everything is just about patents, and patents means court, and court means lawyers and, law- and judges, and unfortunately, we spent too, much, too many weeks in court. And I remember the judge... Oh, I won't say anything about right now. But anyway, I remember a judge, or no, I remember judge, judges, I remember judges several occasions that saying to the lawyers, what are you asking the court to do? In other words, he was saying, what are you asking the, the judge to do? And I remember in one case, several times, thinking to myself, well, our team is three lawyers, the average of which is $500 an hour, so it's $1,500 an hour sitting on our side, and, and I don't know what that is per minute, per second. It's very expensive, you know. You, 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 paying a lawyer, paying a team like that, you actually can, can spend less money standing out on a street corner handing $10 bills to everybody you can as fast as you can. Anyway, so, the, the, and, and, I, and I remember saying to myself, come on, you guys, be specific. The judges asked for the specific. Be specific. We're paying you too much money to sit there and be vague. Well, God is the same way. He's the same way. When we come to God, we need to make our, our requests specific, very specific. If, if, if I was God and I just heard, Lord, just bless him, and just bless him, I would, think, I would also say, what do you want me to do? God would say, okay, well, I'll wait till I get a specific request. So pray intelligently. Pray intelligently. Now, what that also means in intelligent prayer is to couple what you know about God with a specific need. That's, your, that's the job. You bring together 
I got a need over here. I know something specific about God. That, that thing there. I'll couple it together and I'll make the argument based on that. That's a good lawyer. That's a very good lawyer. And that's what God said. And that's to get on the same page as God. Is the way I see why I put that? It's not to get God on our page. It's us to get on God's page. It's to get on God's page. Because prayer is not forcing the hand of God. That's not what prayer is. It's not forcing the hand of God. It's asking God to do what he wants to do. But he's withholding, waiting for prayer. See, So what we must do is to find out what does God want to do? And then say, that's what I want to do. And then ask him for that as a prayers. Now, in order to do that, we need to know what God wants to do, which means we need to know God. We need to know about God. And this verse in Deuteronomy 32.11 is very important for prayer because the word rakaf in this verse tells us something very important about God. What does it tell us? It tells us that our God is a fluttering God. He's a God who hovers. He's a hovering God. He's a God who's got the concerned hovering. He's got, he, he's the cons, God with the concern hovering. Now we think about that. We store that in our arsenal of, of, of arguments. So you argue, you argue, you argue, you know, and that's what prayer is. And so you argue, in other words, you bring this to God and you say, Oh God, you are a God who moves and hovers over your creation. You care. You're concerned about it. And you made this person, and because you care for that person, I'm asking you to couple the need. Okay? So, oh God, you care so much that you flutter over your own. You know, God, you have the Jewish mother syndrome. You know, you can say those things in prayer. So I'm calling on you to hover over. The care and the concern. You, God, it says when you saw the multitude, you were moved with compassion. So you're a God who gets moved with compassion. Lord, Lord, look there. Get moved with compassion. That's the kind of arguments that God wants to hear in prayer. Now, that's very important. We can learn from Rakaf. The other verse in Jeremiah 23, 9 tells us another thing about the word Rakaf. Jeremiah 23, 9, you remember when prophet said, my bones shake. At the, because of the words of God, the words of his holiness. This has to do with teaching. This has to do with teaching. You know, we're all to be teachers. Did you know that? We are all called to be teachers. If you have children, grandchildren, or even somebody else's children, doesn't matter, it, it, is you are called upon to be teachers. That was the thing that God said to Israel twice in the very famous Shema part. Hear, O Israel. And you go down further in Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19, where he says, you lay up these words in my heart and in your soul. Find them for a sign upon your hand. That may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them unto your children. No, you shall teach them your children. Speaking of them, and that's teaching. When thou sittest in thine house, and thou walkest by the way, liest down when thou risest up. See, teaching, teaching, teaching. Have you ever thought how the Great Commission is a command to teach? Have you ever thought about that? The Great, oh, I thought the Great Commission was just, just go there and preach, preach them into heaven. No, no, it says it's a command to teach. What does it say in Matthew 28, the Great Commission? Go ye into all the world, and what? And teach all nations. Go ye therefore and teach 
all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Teaching, teaching, teaching. It's a call to teaching. We need to be good teachers. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Teaching, teaching, teaching. It's a call to teaching. We need to be good teachers. All of us do. What does it say? What did, what did Paul say to his son in the faith, Timothy? He said in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.25, he says, Timothy, I want you to do something. In meekness, instructing. He says those words. Meekness, instructing. Those that oppose themselves. You remember Timothy, how he was killed, according to Fox's Book of Martyrs, is that he was out there protesting against an idolatrous uh, march, and he was trampled to death. And this is what Paul told him. Timothy, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Don't see them as your enemies. See them as those who are shooting themselves in the foot. See them as those who, like when I was on the plane going to Nairobi from London, and in this part of the plane, there was only two of us, it's me and this other lady, and I said, oh, what are you going to Nairobi for? And she said, well, I'm an anthropologist. I should have known what that meant. So, uh, and she said, what are you going there for? So I don't know. I said, well, I'm an evangelist. That's what I told her. <laughs> but anyway, I realized she was going there to prove uh, that man came from nothing or evolution and all that. The, the link, the, she was looking for the missing links, with the apes and all. So she said, oh, she says, I fight against people like you. <laughs> I said, well, this is going to be a great flight. No, but I said, you fight against God? I said to her, do you think you can win? <laughs> I know, it sounds funny, but it's serious, you know. It's very serious. Do you think you can win against God? you think you can win that battle? This is what Paul was telling Timothy. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. To fight against God is to oppose yourself. Is to shoot yourself in the foot. So we, in meekness, try to help people. How? By instructing them. Paul said, instructing them. Maybe, he said, if peradventure, God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Maybe they'll repent. Maybe they'll be saved. How? Because you took time to instruct them. Because you took time to teach them. You took time to show them. So this rakaf is a very, very important word because it's talking about teach. Let me show you what I mean. In, Gen- in uh, Jeremiah 23, 9, the verse that we're talking about, it says, mine heart within me is broken. He says, broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. That's our word, rakat. They shake. And he says, I'm like a drunken man and a man that wine has overcome him. That's what he says. Because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. You know, start with the last part of that verse. It says, it's because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. Because of that, he says, he says try to create the scene in your mind of the prophet there because of the words and he's reading about this and he's thinking about the prophets and his heart gets is broken. He says, the feeling of, all, of it is like I've been overwhelmed with intoxication, with wine. I'm drunken, he says. And then he says, my bones shake. That's our word. My bones shake. Why? Because he says, he says, I'm all stirred up. I'm all, I'm all shaken up inside. That's an important part for teaching. 
not just to give information, but to let the words, these words, shake us in our bones. Then you, then, then you go teach. Then you go teach. Then you go share your faith, however this is, share the gospel, whatever you want to share, or you preach or whatever. You instruct those that impose themselves because the word has shaken you in your bones. So Jim, Pastor Jim used to call this being exercised by the word. Exercised, however you want to call it. But this is the picture here. So it's very, very simple word. Very simple word that we read in Genesis 1-2 when it says the Spirit of God moved. Very simple word. Moved on the face of the water. Spirit of God. But this word moved, this word rakaf is pregnant with meaning. And we've seen we could, we, could, we could say, Rakoff, would you take the podium right now? And you could teach us all. And, and that's what God wants to do through this word. Rakoff, teach us. Teach us who God is. God is the God of Rakoff. God is the God who's concerned and he's hovering over his creation and over man. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. How to use that fact that God is the God of the hovering. Teach us how to work with and pray for the lost. And Rakoff can teach us that, to be concerned about them, to let, as we saw last week, their need penetrate our souls. Teach us how to teach. And we can hear that from Rakoff, let, let these words shake you up, shake you up in your bones, shake. So we're making good progress now. In our, where are we? We're back in Genesis 1. We're making very good progress. Now, darkness. This it was the darkness that caused the Spirit of God to hover with concern over the earth. It was the darkness that caused God to give the command, light, let there be light. And there was light that caused light to be created. And by the way, verse 3 is another powerful argument when you pray. We get all hung up in prayer trying to tell God how he should fix a problem. You ever done that? You know, like he needs an instruction manual. He doesn't actually need our advice. As a matter of fact, God doesn't even have a, a cabinet. He doesn't have a cabinet and he goes around the table and says, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? He doesn't do that. But what he does do is he speaks very powerful commands. That's the meaning. That's the lesson we get in verse 3. Very powerful commands. Let there be light. There was light. You know, there was a certain man in the New Testament who got a hold of this concept in Genesis 1-3 and he used it in prayer, and from his example, he teaches us how to pray. Let's turn to that. That's an exciting part. Uh, Matthew 8, verses 5 through 13. Matthew 8, 5 through 13. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, the city, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, epilepsy sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Ever been around someone who's had an epileptic, a grand mal fit? You don't feel helpless. You feel helpless. And And Jesus saith unto him, I'll come, I'll come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. 
Now, do you have a heart to reach God's lost nation of Jewish people? Do you have the same heart that Paul spoke about when he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved from Romans 10.1? Well, Israel Restoration Ministries is sending missionaries out door-to-door this year again for the fourth year in a row to reach lost Jewish people. How would you like to support a missionary who's going out to bring the gospel to the Jew first this summer? Well, if you'd like to support one, your one-time or monthly support will help one of God's lost Jewish brethren to receive the gospel. And what a joy to stand before him and tell him that you had a part in reaching one of God's lost brethren. Now, the past three summers, Israel Restoration Ministries, we have reached almost a million Jewish people in 18 different cities each summer through the Summer Blitz program. Now, we've brought them Jewish-based gospel materials to help answer their questions. Now, many of these Orthodox, Hasidic, Reformed, and religious Jewish people in these communities are afraid to receive these materials in public. So we take them to them door-to-door and hand them directly to them and speak to them about any biblical concerns or answer any questions that they might have or be willing to talk to us about. Now, surprisingly... Many receive them well when we bring them to their door, and a few people talk to us. Now, many have questions, though, that they call us after the fact when they've got these materials inside their home, and many receive the Lord Jesus Christ and begin discipleship and even start attending church once they get work with and find out the truth of who their Messiah is. Now, if you'd like to reach God's lost chosen nation of people, uh, we'd like your help. We first need your prayers for our 12-week campaign that started on Monday, May 12th. And will you financially help us to reach God's lost brethren by supporting a Jewish missionary the next 12 weeks? Now, you can donate monthly, weekly, or a one-time donation. And you can do so by going online to friendshipwithgod.org and donating online, friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us directly, one 800 247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Support the gospel going to the Jewish people first. 800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org.